Welcome in to another episode of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast, South State preview episode. Jeff Lossett here with Ricky Whitaker and the man that's going to be on the call for the Popperville Hornets, the voice of the Popperville Hornets for the Talking Ball Y'all media group, Jason Baker. Jason, it's always a, a wonderful time of year. It sounds like Christmas, but when, man, if you're practicing football during the week of Thanksgiving, it's always a blessing. Man, it really is. Seven years out of ten for JB, seven out of his last eight, they have had this honor. And uh, we've had the honor of being there alongside of every one of them to call. You were there for many of those years, Jeff. And uh, obviously, Ricky's um, getting the same opportunity on the picking side of things. And, you know, you, you, you find yourself reflective on them to just say, look, don't let these opportunities, you know, taken for granted essentially you know don't let them go by the wayside and um because man i mean what a, what a run right what an era of popperville hornet football that uh we're in the midst of and uh, i think with this team i know for myself it's i don't necessarily know that i thought this team would be here i thought they were capable of being here but i don't know that i thought maybe they weren't the odds on favorite in the class 4a to be here but here they are and they've earned their way every step of the way. And it's it's really cool to think, you know, this is team number seven that's getting this opportunity. Four have, have won these things previously. Four of the previous six have won them and gone on uh, to a state title and, and gone on to play for a state championship. And, um, you know, this team's looking to be number five. You know, and we, looking at some of the names, we talked about them last week. Uh, when you was on before the Lawrence County game. And, and Popperville went to Lawrence County, and we knew it'd be a test, but then in, in Popperville fashion, they come out 44-20 to 20 with that win over Lawrence County. You know, they're 13 or they're 10 and 3. Uh, you know, Columbia's uh, 13 and 0. Some things, uh, and they're led by Ty Keys. We talked about the freshman, the outstanding uh, effort he's put from the backfield, running the football for the offense. But uh, some things that the Popperville is going to have to do uh, against this Columbia Wildcat football team. Number one is I think they need to play as penalty-free as possible. This team has made a giant leap forward in in drive-killing penalties, pre-snap penalties early in the year. Um, this was a team that in the Hornets that was plagued with those a little bit. And I think you could really attribute that to their inexperience, um, that their youthfulness, that they were putting guys out there that just didn't have a bunch of starts behind their belt. Uh, and so now I think with the experience comes the responsibility of understanding what you can and cannot get away with. And to me, Jeff, I think one of the first critical components of this game Friday night is just not doing anything to put yourself behind those sticks, right? Hornets are built to to meticulously move this ball down the field and then hit the home run when you least expect it. And it's very difficult to do that if you put yourself in first and 20s or second and 15s, things like that. Uh, to me, um, you know, it just makes things in life very difficult. And so that's the first component of this game Friday night that I'm going to be looking for very early is composure. I kind of attribute some penalties to maybe trying to play a little too hard or maybe trying to play outside of yourself or do something maybe that, that you're not accustomed to doing. And so if, if the Hornets can stay within themselves, then, you know, it tells me they're composed, they're understanding what their role and their job is, and they're executing it to their best of their ability at that point. 
Hey, babe, uh, one thing that stands out to me, and, and of course, uh, you've been a part of uh, Coach Beach's uh, regime there at Poplarville, his error, if, if you will. He's really raised the standard of what good looks like in the Poplarville community. But, man, I got to say, just looking at it from this standpoint, I'm, I'm on the other side of it, not near as close as you, but this might be one of his better coaching jobs he's done uh, at Poplarville so far. I agree completely, Ricky, uh, completely. I mean, he's taken a team, you know, even out of spring practice, they weren't 1,000% sold that Sidney Blackman would be the starting quarterback. They weren't really sure who the running back was going to be. Um, they had some offensive linemen that they had penciled in that they thought would, would be guys that Jacob Taylor, Rhett McArdle, guys who returned. Jax Owen was the guy who returned as well, who had played some quality minutes for this club. But, I mean, other than that, they were breaking in a Ben Will at guard. They were breaking in a young man named Aiden Graham uh, who didn't even play middle school football. Um, and so, yeah, Rick, I 1,000% I, I agree. Um, and I don't think this team shies away from this. You know, they've had way more talented teams, and maybe they've had some talented teams that they didn't get the most out of those teams. I think they're getting the absolute most that they can get out of this team up to this point. And, you know, if, if this team takes another step of progress in terms of execution, there's no reason to believe they can't get through Friday uh, and Friday night in the Columbia Wildcats and get onto a state title. I, I think everybody in that locker room will leave and board that bus with a belief they're going over there to win. And that's an attribute to Jay Beach and this entire coaching staff um, that he has behind him that that's that mentality Rick that you that you mentioned that's that culture that he's created and look you know there won't be any backup uh, you know it's 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 a common opponent who we know it's a coaching staff that we know and so I think really and truly for the Hornets I think they'll load that bus with a win mentality and that comes from the success that they've had in, in years past and make you know when you look at it you look at Columbia's schedule Really, North Pike was the game that's kind of the head-scratcher, right? They weren't very good. That was a two-point win by Columbia. And when you look at where Poplarville is at this point, you know, I think that it's probably fair to say that Columbia has had their ticket punched to Oxford several weeks back, right? And and Poplarville being a team that, okay, it's going to be Columbia and Louisville. That's what everybody's probably looking to see in this matchup in the on the 4A side. But to be on this different side where – the consensus isn't the road to South State is going to run through Poplarville this year. That and look, you you you've known me for a long time. Uh, I've said I'm sure plenty of crazy things in some of our conversations. But am I crazy to think that that's not a bad place for this Hornet team to be in? No, I love it. I, I absolutely love the role, Rick. I think as an underdog, I think you can play loose. Um, I think you can go over there and and. You can play that up as much as you want, right? You can, hey, man, there ain't a soul in those stands that think you're going to stay on the field with these guys. And I think you can sort of take that underdog role. Um, and any time a, a prior champion like the Hornets uh, from a South State Championship perspective is, and you get that opportunity to spin that conversation that way, I love it. It's kind of like in years past in Tom Brady's late, portion of his career when you sort of thought oh he's waning down his career and the Patriots were underdogs and then you would hear them talk about like everybody's counting us out and the facts were probably nobody was counting them out right but 
they had spun that conversation and that jargon in their mind to believe they were underdogs and they went and played that way. And so the Hornets Friday night, look, I, I you know, maybe we are the underdogs and if we are, then so be it right. They're 13 and oh, the pressure's on them. The, the beautiful thing about that is I think there, there may not be a better coaching staff in the South um, that plays within themselves, that stays within themselves. Like no matter who the opponent, you know, Jay Beach is going to be who they are and, and the Hornets are going to be who they are. They're not going to try to do anything abnormal or try to do anything um, that they haven't done all year. And, and I appreciate that. Like, I, I think that breeds this preparation mindset that we know what we're good at. We know how to execute. We're going to trust that our execution can be good enough. And if it can't, some nights you just tip your cap to that opponent and say, you're just better than us. And you just go on about your day and go on about your business. But, you know, if you go in there and you win, you, you won your way. And I think that's where the Hornets will take that mentality in on Friday. You know, and, and Baker, we I'm looking at the schedule here. And, uh, you know, both Poplarville and Columbia scored over 40 points apiece in each of their first three rounds of the playoffs. And I found a tidbit, a little scoring average, if you break it down through the whole year, Columbia's scoring average was 39.9, and then Popperville's was 34.3. But to flip it around on the defensive side, with Coach DeWeese and Adam Johnson over there on that defensive side, some names, Nick Miller, you know, of course, Ty Key's on the defense, uh, uh, Jameson, and then a big Mason Quavis is one that popped out on the defensive on the defensive line for the Popperville. What is the defense going to have to do to kind of to step up a little bit with that scoring average I mentioned and, and both teams scoring over 40. It's going to be a little different ball game, uh, in my opinion. What do you think defensively for the Hornets uh, matching up against Columbia? Well, you know, they've played at a high level. And, you know, I thought last week against Lawrence County, the second half might have been the defensive unit's best half of basketball all year. I mean, excuse me, of football. Sorry, I'm, I'm starting to make my way to the court and get basketball. Um, Might have been their best half of football all year, Jeff. And uh, they shut them out in that second half. And uh, I really thought Chris DeWeese and his staff got this defense to play at just a little bit higher level. And because of that, I think what you do now is you've got a bunch in a unit that's super, super confident um, in their ability to go out and play at this high level. You're talking about a Lawrence County offense um, that had arguably maybe the best back we faced all year to this point. And so for them to go into halftime in what was essentially a shootout, you had just gotten a defensive stop at the start of the uh, halftime. And for you to be able to go into that halftime locker room, take an adjustment, make the adjustment, and shut them out in the second half, really boded well for this defense. And, you know, I think it'll be a unit that, that goes into Friday night, you know, confident. Now, you know, is it, are we staring at a three, nothing game? I don't know. I don't think so, but man, you just never know how these things are going to play out. Uh, uh, Baker, I know you, this time is precious as you're getting ready to uh, call USM women's basketball up there at the Reed Green Coliseum. We, uh, we appreciate you, appreciate you jumping on the podcast and uh, look forward to listening to you, uh, Rossi Creel and Zach Barrett for the Talking Ball Y'all Media Group at Poppaville Friday night. Absolutely, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me, my man. And, uh, Rick, best of luck to you and uh, the Maroon Tide. Have a great call on uh, Friday night. And I'm going to go 
talk some Lady Eagle basketball here tonight and try to avenge a loss from a year ago against the Valparaiso Beacons. Thanks, Bakes. That was uh, Jason Baker joining us from Reed Green Coliseum as he's getting ready to call USM basketball. We're going to take a quick uh, commercial break, and then uh, we are going to talk. Uh, actually, our very own Ricky Whitaker is going to sit down. He's got an interview with the West Jones uh, Mustangs head football coach, Corey Reynolds. And we'll hear from uh, Ricky and Coach uh, Reynolds right after this commercial break. Ready for faster internet and better service? Of course you are. And that's exactly what you'll get with Coast Connect. Coast Connect gives you blazing speed for faster downloads, streaming video, gaming, or working from home. And it's backed by top-shelf service from local people you know and trust. Why wait? Get the speed you need with the service you deserve. Sign up today at CoastConnect.com. Coast Connect, powered by Coast Electric. Are you looking for a neighborhood cruiser? A cart to get you from green to green or just a fun campground buggy? Then come visit the friendly staff at Bayou Buggies in Poplarville. We've got just about any cart to fit your needs. We can even custom build the cart of your dreams. Come see the guys who know golf carts because golf carts is all we do. Give us a call today at 601-746-9814. Visit us online at bayoubuggies.com or stop by our showroom at 1722 South Main Street in Poplarville. Bayou Buggies, a proud sponsor of the Talking Ball Y'all broadcast of high school sports in Pearl River County. Around here, the tougher things get, the better we are. Because all around Pearl River County, you'll find people working together. Like your two hospitals, Highland Community and Pearl River County, working together with Forest Health to bring you health care that's coordinated and complete. We're here for you now, and you know we'll be here tomorrow. Highland Community Hospital, Pearl River County Hospital, and Forest Health. Two great hospitals, one incredible health system. Joining us on the podcast today is uh, Corey Reynolds. He's in his first year as the head coach of the West Jones Mustangs. Coach Reynolds served as the offensive coordinator at Oak Grove last season and, and also spent a few years as the head football coach at South Jones, leading South Jones to its first program, um, its program's first playoff win in school history. Uh, coach Reynolds, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Hey, Coach, you're – if, if my math is correct, and I'm not great at math, but about seven months on the job here at West Jones, and speak a little bit about just coming in and getting to know the players. Didn't have a whole lot of time, and then really what, what your team's done, an undefeated season here, and, and, and getting ready for a South State uh, playoff matchup. Uh, yes, sir. Got hired on April 12th. That was on a Wednesday, and we started spring practice that following Monday, and so Ever since then, till we kicked off against Laurel, it was like drinking out of a fire hydrant. It was uh, hurry, hurry, hurry. Um, not a lot to complain about. Coach Pearson was here for 20-something years and, boy, handed me a program that was already a well-oiled machine. This community, uh, they want their kids to work. They want their kids to be coached hard. The kids believe in working. The kids want to be coached hard. We have a great coaching staff that was already in place. Uh, I got to bring in two guys because one left to be an offensive coordinator at a former school and the other one retired. So it's it's been a very, very uh, exciting, very, very exciting uh, transition. Uh, you're coming into a place where you're not having to rebuild, you're not having to worry about rebuilding a coaching staff. Uh, these guys uh, just, you know, 
win. They expect to work hard, and the community doesn't. So that made that transition so much easier, you know, than than most places when you're doing. You know, sometimes when somebody retires or leaves, it's you know it's time to go, or their uh, the talent levels uh, you know has dipped, or you know there's chaos in the school. But man, I have zero zero things negative to say about West Jones, their community, the school. Um, Mr. Cooper Pope uh, runs a, a really good school here. The, the faculty's on board. A lot of them went to school here. The way this community believes in the players and everybody shows up and they bleed green. And uh, the superintendent does a really, really good job of uh, supporting athletics, academics, and the arts. And man, just a wonderful place to be. And then on top of it, the kids have really bought into. To my view of playing football, Coach Pearson, you know, is a championship level coach, and, and coaches all do the same thing but do it differently. And uh, they've really bought into to the little things that I've changed, and uh, that that's made it really, really important to me. They bought in. You, you hear in the locker room and at practice a little bitty things that I say about winning and losing and how champions perform and, and what champions do. And it's not necessarily in the football field; it's outside of it because. A hundred thousand times they've heard me say, I really care less about you as a football player. I'm more concerned about where you're going to be as a young man five to ten years from now. And as a leader of your family, where are you going to be You know, in your, your walk with Christ and how are you going to be a leader in your home towards that? So to answer your question, man, it is, it's, it's been a whirlwind. Uh, it, it feels like ten years, but it also feels like five minutes. Everything's gone so fast. Uh, I've always heard the days are long, but the years are fast. And, man, I, I agree with that more and more each and every day. Coach, you're, you're obviously a, a spiritual guy, and, and I know spiritual guys typically have a, a philosophical style in their, in their coaching. And I read some stuff that uh, you had said to your team when you were at South Jones. You, you had kind of a motto for the team of know what your why is. What, what's been the motto that you've carried into this group for this year? Our guys is leave no doubt. No matter what you say and what you do, I leave no doubt at where you stand. Whether if, you, if you're going to stand for Christ, man, leave no doubt that's where you stand. We're all imperfect people, and we're all going to mess up. And thank, thank the good Lord for His salvation, the blood He shed on the cross. And but we need to strive each and every day to leave no doubt where we stand. Whether it's in the weight room, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in the community, on the practice field, or when that ball's kicked off on Friday night. And we, we've talked about what's or why. You know, here I think that's something that I ask myself each and every day with with my family and my job situation and everything that I do. And I'm just uh, really, really thankful for the situation I've been in to be called to, to lead young men and be a part of that. And, you know, the thing we, we've really focused on this year is talking about is being focused, being better than the day before. And the big thing is just leave no doubt. And I think that just, it carries over way past the days of football. And I hope you guys remember 10, 15 years from now. Coach Reynolds, I, your defense, I'm, I'm going to start there because this has been a group who has been garnering a lot of well-deserved attention early on in the season. Six shutouts this year, uh, only given up on average single digits to the opposing offenses this year. And uh, I know a lot about Race Jones, got to see him play last year, his versatility, the things he does to help off the offense. But you look at this defensive line especially, and it's hard to really point one guy out. They all look pretty good. For our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with with some of those guys on that defense, who are some guys that we need to be paying attention to on this West Jones defense? Uh, first of all, number nine, you know Isaiah Lindsey. He's he's kind of the the one that gets everything going. And then you got Jonathan Keys, another defensive tackle. 
Uh, he's one of the biggest leaders. He takes care of the locker room. He makes sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. He leads by example in making sure the locker room and everything's clean. Then you got Race Jones, which is uh, you know kind of the quarterback of the defense. He's one of our leading tacklers on offense. We, he, we use him as a running back in our heavy package. I think he has seven rushing touchdowns. He's our long snapper and short snapper. Uh, he's our, our backup tight end. Age. He's kind of a he, he's our do all guy. We we plug and play him everywhere. Uh, then you got Jamari Keys and 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 Deion Graves on the back end of, of our secondary that really really show up, make plays, and those are you know. And then the, the other defensive tackle on on our line is Alan Jones, and uh, those guys they're, they're tough to block during the week during practice. Uh, they give us fits, and, and most of the time we're ready to get to Friday night so we can at least feel like we have a chance of getting something blocked because. Boy, they're a special group of kids that really, really work hard, believe in each other, believe in the system and, and the techniques that Coach Hicks and Coach Easterlin uh, teach them each and every day. Uh, Coach Thompson does a good job in our secondary. and He really can't say enough good things about how hard they work and what all they do in, in each and every day and how they prepare. And, Coach, looking on the offensive side of the ball, um, I'm going to start with a, a young man that you probably get to talk about a lot. And that's uh, Tootie Lindsey. Uh, got to see this team last year, and I had to check my roster a couple of different times to make sure that w- I was reading correctly that he was an a- actual eighth grader uh, that was playing varsity football. He's in his freshman campaign now. He's been your signal caller. 1,600 yards uh, total offense, 900 through the air, 700 on the ground, 17 total TDs. Talk a little bit about Tootie Lindsey's development as he's went through this season. Like you said last year, he started as an eighth grade at receiver. So this year there were no big lights for him. There was no that, oh, my goodness, is this moment going to be too big for him? Um, he's got an older brother that, that was a quarterback here last year and he's playing at Jones, and he's the baby of six. So uh, being sensitive, being overwhelmed stuff's not the case. Uh, he's just been around it his whole life. Uh, really a, a student of the game. Always bring our quarterbacks in in the morning to go over the game plan and watch film and do some drills. He's always here. He wants to get better. Smiles, yes sir, and just, and just goes to work. Always uh, don't have to worry about him making the same mistake twice. You know, he, he's a freshman, but he's not. Uh, I don't really treat him like that. We got two other freshman receivers that that are playing a pretty good bit, and you know sometimes they have their freshman moments. And while well, I really appreciate the maturity. Tootie has and how his approach to the game is and it makes you know my job easier that I'm not having to worry about do I put him in this situation do I not he just prepares himself and it is fun to, to go out of practice and in the game to have a kid like that on your team that you can trust with the football on Friday night and coach I know it certainly does help to have a, a 230 pound running back and Elijah Wilson beside him he's he's over a thousand yards rushing 15 touchdowns on the year and a sophomore uh, Caleb Holmes, who's also working into the mix a little bit, he's got seven touchdowns and and nearly uh, 550 yards on the ground. And coach, when you look at this offensive line, they're a big group as well. You've been with the team in spring and kind of watched this offensive group develop. What's been the one group that you've been the most impressed with as far as 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 growth throughout this season? Really, our, our guys up front. Like I said, it, it's it's tough practicing against our defense, you know, day in and day out. And it started back in the spring and on into the summer and the fall, and we've had a couple little nicks and bruises along the way. And the way those guys respond each and every week, the way they come out and practice hard, the way they care for each other, uh, the way they 
work hard for Coach Parker and Coach Boover is something that I've enjoyed watching each and every day. Um, you know, that job up front, most of the time you never get your name called out unless you, you know, held or, or did something, you know, you, uh, penalty-wise. You hardly ever get your name called out for all the good you do. And it's a thankless job. Uh, but those guys show up every day. They work hard. Uh, they're in early and, and, and out late. Can't really say enough about the, the preparation they put in, you know, what Coach Parker does with them. Uh, he was a kid that uh, I, I coached years and years ago and uh, had him with me at Oak Grove and, and really, really impressed with how he's come along with his career and, and the passion he has and love he has for those guys. And you can see it each and every day that, man, they just really believe in, in the scheme we're running that week, whether it's zone or a gap scheme or, or a pass pro. They really believe, like, they're the best in the state that's doing it. And each and every week they're just getting a little bit better, a little bit better, and a little bit better. And it helps that you got – two really good running backs behind and a quarterback that's very versatile and you know and then they help each other you know a good running back quarterback helps uh, the o-line be better and then a really really good o-line helps a, a running back to be better you don't have to worry about you know getting beat up a lot and you're getting good gaps and good holes and i mean that's that's been the the been the big reason for our success really on both sides of balls those guys up front with their hands on the ground and coaches, we turn to this matchup uh, this this week uh, against Picky on Friday night. Uh, first off, I know it's a blessing and a privilege to to be playing football the week of Thanksgiving. You know, when you when you look at the Maroon Tide, uh, it, it, from my standpoint, comparing the two teams, very very similar genetic makeup. They play great team defense, very good at running the football. When you flip on the team and take a look at the, this Maroon Tide team, what are some things that jump out to you? Man, Coach Stogger's done a very, very good job coming in after a legendary coach. You know, he's from there. There's a lot of pride and personal success there. Uh, man, he just got those guys coached really, really well, and they play hard. That's That was one of the first thing. They're not just easing around and just athletic and make plays. Man, they really, really play hard on both sides of the football in the kicking game. And, you know, you, you wish you could bottle stuff like that and you'd be a billionaire if you couldn't sell it. But as soon as you turn it on, I, that's anybody like, oh, wow, you know, we better bring our juice. We better find something to match their intensity that they're going to bring. Or it's, it's going to be a painful night because on top of just being really, really good football players and coach well and getting after it, boy, they play like their hair's on fire, and, man, they get after it. And if we don't answer their intensity levels, it's going to be a rough night for us. Coach, no doubt Soso is a tough place for an opposing team to come in and play. I I was uh, invited on another podcast yesterday to talk about this matchup, and I described it as Cameron Indoor Facility. Uh, Not very big, but, boy, it's got a, a heck of an atmosphere uh, the fan base um, there really show up and show out for their Mustang team. Tell us about the environment that the that the Maroon Tide fans should expect come Friday night. It's going to be very similar to what they have down at Picayune. Our, like I said, our stadium's not as big. Uh, theirs is a nice, older, concrete stadium from both sides. Uh, this is pretty much the same stadium that was built in 1965 when the county consolidated. So South Jones Stadium and Northeast Jones Stadiums are very similar. Uh, it's always a fun place to be because it's loud. It's, it's tight quarters. Uh, there's people around the track, and uh, you know if, if you're going if you're going to be a visiting team and then a fan to come watch the game, you need to get there really, really early to get a seat. And that's something that you know we're working on as as a 
as a county is to, to get more bleachers in, you know, because our, all three programs are pretty good and have been pretty good in the past. And, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we have a, a good environment to play football. And, and, and we really, really do. These fans here, this community is, is huge. It's, it's a good throwback to support of, you know, you, you got people back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and the 2000s, no matter what their records were, man, they, they come here and it's a generational family thing to come out and watch. And the ones that buy tickets, this is where they've always sat. The ones that sit in the end zone around the track and their bleachers, it's just kind of like Baptist and church. This is our pew. This is where we've sat for years. This is where we're going to sit for years, and you better not be there. And so if you want to see, you better get there early. And, and it's going to be a huge, just electric atmosphere. That's, you know, one good thing that Maybe you want to come here. Remind me where I'm from in Wayne County, and about how Friday nights are. You know, it's about football, but man, it's about coming out and supporting the you know the football, the cheerleaders, and band. And boy, it's, it's a great place to be on a Friday night. Well, Coach, we are certainly looking forward to the matchup, and I think that um, it goes without saying this is the matchup that probably everyone in the state that follows any type of high school football, whether it be 6A or another A, they, they're they aware of this matchup and wanted to see this matchup. It's going to be a great one, and, and we're looking forward to it. I know you got to get to practice here in a few minutes, but I appreciate you again carving some time out for us this morning, and we look forward to seeing you Friday night. Yes, sir. Healthy pets, happy people, exceptional medicine, compassionate care. That's our motto at the Animal Health Clinic in Picayune. Located at 500 Kelly Road, we are equipped with the latest veterinary technology and provide a full menu of animal health services, including after-hours emergencies. Dr. Alan Smith invites you to join our clinic family by checking out our website at ahcpicayune.com or calling us at 601-799-1300. Dungan Engineering is a unique force in problem solving in the state of Mississippi. They have offices in Brookhaven, Columbia, Picayune, and Macomb. Dungan Engineering has the capability to provide expansive and complex services to state agencies, local governments, utility providers, and national firms. They do this all while preserving the good neighbor attitude that allows them to be active members in the communities they serve. Their motto is service, strength solutions it's not just words not just goals and not just an outcome bank with your hometown bank fnb picayune bank with four branches in picayune a branch in poplarville and wiggins and soon to have a branch in the keel the name has changed but the employees continue to be the same friendly faces offering you the same great service so do your banking with your hometown bank that was slick with Coach Reynolds. Coach Reynolds, man, and a fantastic first year. That's pretty much an understatement on huh? Slick and what his team's been able to accomplish with his first year of head coaching experience. Yeah, certainly so, Clay. I mean, anytime you come in and you're right at the front of spring practice, doesn't give you a whole lot of time to build continuity with your group, but uh, they've certainly done that along the way, and, and it's it's showing because they're, they're undefeated this year. Rick, when you look at this matchup, man, it's uh, it's hard not to just be so excited from a broadcaster's uh, standpoint. We're certainly, if we say this every week, I hope our listeners have um, have grasped just how um, fortunate that we know that we are to be following this program. But boy, these kind of uh, Friday nights, not 
not going to take a whole lot to uh, get us locked in and to get prepped for. From the players' perspective, I certainly feel like Wes Jones will have Picayune's full attention with the record that they come into and with the stakes. Locked in in this, as Cody said a few weeks ago, and we've kind of used that term over the last two or three weeks, should not be an issue at all. No, it, it's not going to be an issue, Clay. And, and I think the, the atmosphere that they're going to be involved in uh, in this game in Sosa Mississippi is certainly going to help add to that. But, you know, I think for, for Wes Jones, they remember this game last year and – We've already saw some of the stuff on their their social media site. They're calling it the revenge the revenge tour, so they're looking at it from a revenge standpoint. And then from our standpoint, it's like, look, we've been here before. We're just trying to get past this game and and, and make it to Oxford. Yeah, and this is a team. Don't let it get lost. You know, with Picune's pedigree, winning uh, two in a row, trying to win three in a row, they're not all that far removed from winning a state title themselves. Um, some kids. Um, still on this roster, correct me if I'm wrong, that were part of that state title game. So they've got a little pedigree that they'll roll in to this affair in their home place with as well. Yeah, no, certainly so. This is a, this is a group that, um, you know, has, has been known to start guys very, very young in their careers. There's, there's several freshmen on this team this year that, that are going to be uh, contributing. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to have his, his core group of seniors have, have had a lot of uh, playoff experience. Rick, when you look at it, I know uh, me and you as broadcasters had a chance to kind of peek ahead. I think we'd be lying to the listeners if we hadn't been eyeballing the Mustangs and kind of this matchup for so long. Sometimes in sports we don't get that, but sometimes we do, and we're fortunate uh, to have this kind of matchup. But what do you see at West Jones when you look at them on tape and have been able to study them? Well, Clay, I mean, I've looked at several tapes on, on this team, but I think the, the the Terry game last week really tells all that we need to know about West Jones. I think very, very similar to Picayune, what they do is quite simple. Um, they, they're they very good at running the football. They play good team defense, and they're, they're really good on special teams. And, and that's really it. You know, you look back a week ago at Terry, and, of course, uh, Terry strikes first blood with a, with a pick six. And then they had a, a strip fumble that took them inside of Terry's 30-yard line. I mean, uh, West Jones' 30-yard line, but that's as far as they ever got was off of off of uh, defensive plays that they made. So they they had a really tough time moving the football. Um, special teams is phenomenal. They've, they've got a young man at kicker named uh, Joseph Hernandez. He wears number 32 for them. He can put it in the end zone, very similar to what we have at the kicker position at Picayune. Sets his defense up really good, and, you know, they can block punts. They can block kicks. Uh, really sound on special teams, just a, a sound team all the way around. Yeah, I guess Sig, uh, the old Picune item, uh, extraordinary writer, sports writer for a long, long time. We Both you and I grew up on Rob Sigler. He kind of beat us to the punch and um, had Cody quoted as saying, I think as early as today, look, it's going to come down to some of the kicking game. I think that's what you saw on your film study. You mentioned their kicker. We certainly have been proud of what Morgan Kraft's been able to come back and accomplish. Some of the lost yards or hidden yards in the return games and certainly can't have a, a miscue like we had at George County. So we had a couple kicks blocked. We had one return for six. How does Picune clean up any and all of those type of things to not let that affect this outcome? Well, I think we've had our eyes open, and it's probably good to have those things happen uh, before we get to a game like this. So hopefully we've, we've made those corrections. 
you know, when you look at the young man that's going to be returning kicks and punts for this uh, Mustang team, wide receiver number one, um, Bergen Bullock, and and he's not a kid who you would expect to be electric in the return game at all. He's kind of back there. He's got good hands. He's a guy they trust to catch the ball, but they're going to have their punt block on if Picune kicks the football, and we're going to, we're going to have to be ready for that. Um, we're going to have to be ready to make sure we're protecting. Bergen, I believe he wears, as you said, one. He'll remind Picune uh, kind of listeners and fans. There's a guy that used to wear double one, and that was uh, Richard Emhoff. When he gets back um, to return and to handle, as you said, really sure-handed. So that will be an interesting look. Flick, when you look at the way that Picune's coming in playing, what we came off of um, a week ago in that rematch, um, big win. It was sloppy in the fact that it was heavily officiated. To me, uh, the officiating became tried to become a real component of the ball game, which was unfortunate. But I thought the Tide played dominant football in all three facets. Would you, would you agree with that? Uh, I would. I would agree with that, and I would even – Add to that, Clay, I mean, just the, the way that Brady uh, Robertson was throwing the football, the receivers were catching the football. I think that we gave Wes Jones a lot of things to pay attention to on tape because, listen, you know, this this freshman quarterback that, that they have at Wes Jones, he's a special one, and he's done a lot more with his legs than he had with his arms. When you look at it on tape and look at his stats, his stats aren't that far off in the passing game from what Brady's has been. I think he's eight touchdowns and three interceptions on the year, they certainly can throw the football, but running the, the football is their game. And I think getting him to be one-dimensional, if we could stop that run that rush attack, which is pretty good. They got a 230-pound running back with Elisha Wilson, who's a very good running back. They'll mix in the sophomore Caleb Holmes, and then Tootie does what he does with his legs. I think if we could take that away, and it's a, it's a quarterback duel at that point, I like seven. Yeah, I think you've got to like what I call the senior lefty, especially with the way that him and his uh, weapons played a week ago. Slick, you look at Picune's two losses this year. That's, of course, Ocean Springs and Catholic. Um, the yardage, the big plays, majority of those came through the passing game. I don't know that there's a team in the state. West Jones may try to uh, prove Picune and myself differently that's just going to be able to to jam it down the tide's throat. Would you agree with that assessment? I do. I do agree with that. I mean, I think that uh, this group, as far as, you know, when you when you just look at our district and, and the opponents we've played the last several weeks, the offensive lines haven't been nearly as big as what we saw um, in, in, against Catholic and some of those other schools we played non-district. But this is going to be a really, really big group, and especially for our offensive line, this is going to be a big test for them because – we already know about um, number 90 for them, that the Keys kid, how big he is. But there's a couple other guys in that interior. Uh, you got Amir Jones. He's six foot 280. He wears 48 for them. Number 43, Allen Jones. He's six foot 290. And then we already know how special Jamarion Keys is uh, on, in their secondary. Number nine, Isaiah Lindsay, who's their defensive end. Uh, he and Keys were uh, selected for the Bernard Black, Blackwell All-Star game. So they'll, this is going to be a really good defense and a very stout defensive line that we got to make sure we're really fundamentally sound with our offensive line group. Rick, when you look at the way that we call a ball game and the way that we try to incorporate numbers into our broadcast, one number that we always look at being key for the tie, and that's that per number. I think you said that um, – you know, how, how it was purring a few weeks ago. I like the, the comment that you made there. And then, the, 
yardage against or the per against. Those will be big this week, wouldn't you think? Th- those are going to be huge this week, Clay. And I think that we got to make sure we're we're trying to keep that old per up because you look at this this kid that we named on the other side, Elijah Wilson. His per is up to nearly ten yards per carry. I mean, he's he's moving some lumbers himself. So we got to get our per up, and we got to try to keep their purrs down. The turnover margin slick so big in these type of ball games. When you look at a record in West Jones, they've yet to be beat. You look at Picune's record with only two blemishes against stout competition. Turnover's most likely going to help to decide this one. When you look at those numbers, uh, Wes Jones's numbers may be a little harder to find in that category. For Picune, we know exactly how many times we've given it up. What do you kind of see there in the, in the opportunity for Picune? Look. Tootie is what he is uh, athletically, and he's gifted, but he's also still a young and right, and so you maybe hope that you can force the ninth grader into some things. But kind of tell us how you see that turnover battle playing out. Well, again, I think it goes back to really more the mistakes that he's made have been in the passing game on offense. Um, the running backs hold onto the ball pretty well. I mentioned Terry was able to strip one from, uh, from Elijah Wilson, but they hold onto the ball pretty well. Most of their turnovers come – on special teams, uh, them blocking punts and returning punts. And listen, I don't know if you saw the game on Saturday between the Washington Huskies and the um, Oregon State Beavers, but that game was a tight game and a, and a miscue on special teams resulted in a safety. That was a difference in the ball game. So you certainly could see a game like that where one or two turnovers could, could turn it one way or the other. Slick, I like our personnel against anybody in the state. I don't think anything that I've seen really kind of changed that prepping for West Jones. But two or three things that Ty just absolutely can't do if they want to be in Oxford that first week in December and win this ball game. Some just absolute no-nos from your perspective, uh, from the Tide's perspective, to be able to win this game on Friday night. Well, I think, Clay, we got to make sure, just like you mentioned, that we're holding on to the football, but that we're not – getting these long drives and coming away empty. You know, that that's going to be a killer for us. Um, takes a lot of pressure uh, or puts a lot of pressure on our offensive line and offensive group uh, when you've you, – because, again, they're going to have their hands full. And as, if you're putting these drives together and stalling them out because of penalties or turnovers or just not not getting points out of them, that's, that's not a good place to be. And that's really the first one. And I think the second one, Clay, is going to be – I already mentioned Jamarion Keys, number five for them – He's a great player in their secondary. He'll mix in some at the wide receiver position. If he's on the field as a wide receiver, they're going to throw him the football. we got to make sure we know where he is on offense. Rick, when you look at it as a former linebacker, man, this has got to excite you when you pop on us and us being picked to watch the way that our linebacker group pursues the football alongside that defensive line. And then, man, to pop on the old flick of them and to watch them, they get after it, don't they? They fly to the football. They're a fun defense to watch. They, they certainly are. I mentioned already those uh, interior guys on their defensive line and then Race Jones, uh, number four for them. Um, we saw him last year. He's really one of their leaders on the defensive side. He's a sure tackler, got a really, really good nose for the football. But, yeah, this this is going to be an old, uh, old heavyweight bout that's going to be just jab after jab. Rick, when you look at it, I gave uh, some no-nos for us of Coach Reynolds and his group, and I know that you've already uh, talked to him. The listeners have heard that. But two or three things that you think, boy, if they do these well, they've got 
a chance in a ball game, some things that you really think they'll try to hang their hats on to beat the Tide on Friday night? Well, I think for them to, to establish their running game and, and not get away from it too quick is going to be important for them because, as you mentioned, uh, this Tootie Lindsay kid is is special. and and But he is, at times, he looks like a, a ninth grader, as you would expect him to look like. And I think the more that they put it on his shoulders uh, to have to, to – to carry this team and this offense is going to put us at, at, at a huge um, advantage with our defense and really our team all together. So I think that's the biggest one for them. But I think, too, Clay, you know, you look at, at special teams and, and, and Joseph Hernandez, he can put it in the end zone. Uh, there's times where he does kick them a little bit short. You look at this, this West John's kickoff team uh, against our kick return team, we know we've got some weapons back there. You don't see a lot of those starter guys on that unit like you see for Picayune. I think a short kick, uh, if he's not getting a hold of it, could, could be another thing to watch out for for them. We've got the looming uh, kind of ejection suspension type uh, thing hanging over us that's still in limbo as far that, as I know with Chris Davis. Um, the way that he affects it, Slick, from what we've been told and what we know of it is that if he's able to participate, he would be able to do so at about the 8.30 mark, I think is where we marked it inside of our broadcast in the second quarter. When you look at it, him and Nike have been splitting some series, so all wouldn't be lost if he's able to come back uh, that soon, but the effect that that would have on this ball game. I mean, I, I think it's gonna it's gonna cast a dark shadow clay over over this Maroon Tide team. There's no doubt about it. And again, I think we'll be okay uh, with with Darrell and Nike if Chris isn't able to, to to play until later on in this ball game. But man, I sure hope we're not in a position like that again. You know, given other cases we've seen where guys were ejected and were able to play the next week, um, the state of Mississippi athletics would would have a big miss uh, if Chris Davis didn't suiting up at the start of the first quarter. You know, the Tide, as talented as this group is and for as many things uh, talent-wise that they have had go their way, they've had to overcome some stuff, Chris Davis's injury being one of those things. But this is a group that really doesn't back down from adversity. I think they kind of like having to go on the road to take on a perfect team and a team that's been talked about so much and a defense in particular – uh, with the way that they just haven't given up many points at all. Do you kind of see it the same way, Slick? I think they'd love to be at home, but this presents a special challenge, and this team seems to really embrace that. Yeah, I think they're looking forward to going to So-So Clay, and I think the more hostile the environment is from the, the fan base there, the better. I think that it it's going to nourish this Maroon Tide team, who's just a different animal all the way around, as you mentioned. Uh, they will feed off of that. Yeah, I know you're a Gladiator, the movie fan, and I could just see 29 uh, popping out and ask, are you not entertained at some point towards the end of this one? I think that's probably a fair uh, statement, probably followed by or uh, ahead of three or four uh, backflips. Should be a lot of fun, man. What Can't wait to call it with you on Friday night, and uh, we won't have any trouble getting ourselves prepped for this one on Friday. No, sir. We will be there on time, as, as uh, Coach Stockner says, and I'm, I know his his crew will be as well. Absolutely. That'll be a 6.30 Mossy of Picune pregame show for us. We'll also, good Lord willing, be able to provide a video stream. That's uh, through Exotic Stones there. 
in Picune and also a Bay St. Louis location. We'll get you more details on that if you'll follow uh, Talking Ball, y'all, on social media, uh, Diamond Productions also on social media. So we will be able to provide a live video stream that will be sponsored by Exotic Stone. So we look forward to that. Um, we're, we're thankful to be able to provide that, but we would urge all Tide fans to try to get there um, get there early and be loud on Friday night for their club. 